Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn, and today I'm joined by researcher Gary Olson, and we're going to be talking about the Lake Harbor Railroad that existed here in Muskegon. Now to begin with, Gary, what can you tell me about Lake Harbor in general? Where is it, and what's special about it? Well, Lake Harbor sits a couple miles south of the actual city of Muskegon, and so it became a, a big area for uh, tourists, uh, for vacationers, and for people that lived in Muskegon to build cottages on, on, uh, on the lake to escape the heat and things of the summer in Muskegon. Charles Hackley had a, had a very big cottage on Lake Harbor and, along with several others. And there were a lot of hotels and resorts and uh, it was also it had a lot of fruit farms. Is it mostly south of Mono Lake Channel then? No, Lake Harbor actually encompasses the area uh, from what is called, what we refer to as the float bridge, which was originally a floating bridge, and everywhere, everywhere to the west. Uh, to the east of that was called Mona Lake. Prior to the, um, the late 1800s, that whole area was Black Lake. And then Chicago and West Michigan built a railroad with a station at the east end of Mona Lake. The station was run by a man named Colonel May, and he had a daughter whose name was Mona. And uh, from the things that I've read, she was a very beautiful daughter, and she helped a lot of, at the station and helped with people loading into boats and in the trains that would come in there. And so uh, they began to refer to it as Mona's Lake, and uh, the name just kind of stuck. So what uh, piqued your interest in this area of Muskegon County's history? Well, I've been born and raised in the Lake Harbor area and lived here uh, the majority of my life. Our current residence is, uh, yeah, we've been there for 31 years. And um, I've always been interested in history. And the more I learned about the area, the more I realized how rich in history it really was. Previously, I did a, a podcast about the Bidwell brothers and the Bidwells did own uh, property on, on Lake Harbor. So there was a lot of um, there was a lot of activity up and down Lake Harbor and it was also uh, a area of, of fruit farms and they raised strawberries and grapes and uh, apples and pears and peaches. Uh, there was a time when there were a lot of fox farms in the area. Sounds like there's some pretty interesting history there. So in particular we are going to focus on the railroad that connected Lake Harbor to broader Muskegon so what stands out about the railroad to you? What's uh, special about it? Well, first it was built right on the beach, which is a little bit unusual. I've never seen an, ever heard of a railroad built on the beach before. But in March of 1892, Methodists were looking for a campground and a retreat center. And uh, just a few years before that, a hotel was built on the channel in, uh, from Lake Harbor into Lake Michigan. And... Uh, the, that was called the Lake Harbor Hotel, and had just recently been uh, updated and was over, I believe, like a 500-room hotel. So it was very large. And the Methodists were looking to put a, um, put a retreat center um, there. So Charles Hackley actually gave $10,000 towards that effort. And the president of the Chicago and West Michigan Railroad made a commitment to build a railroad to the, uh, to the area to help with the movement of passengers. Uh, up until that time, the only way to get to this uh, Lake Harbor area was by boat 
where the railroad would came in at the at the head of Mona Lake, at the east end of Mona Lake, and then they would catch a boat and take it down and through the float bridge and um, to the resorts on Lake Harbor. Was there any road going south from Muskegon that connected to Lake Harbor? There was some really rough roads. One was called Angling Road, and that's actually Roosevelt Road today, but they weren't really made for travel by tourists. So the railroad was really the best way for visitors to get to Lake Harbor, particularly in the summer season. It only ran from either late June, early July until September. That's the only time it ran. Um, other than that, it was closed down for the year. Now, you mentioned the tracks being built on the beach. Was that a costly project? I imagine building on the sand would be really difficult. I'm not uh, sure of all the costs involved, but uh, in, like I said, in March uh, 1892, the Chicago-West Michigan Railroad made a commitment to build a railroad, and so they began exploring how that could be done. Uh, in June of that year, Plans were made and they actually began to let contracts out. And the first thing they had to do was secure the rights to the property along the lake. They had secured all those rights, except for the area directly in front of the waterworks. And the city of Muskegon then, in June of 1892, granted the railroad rights to, to cross their property on the lake. Okay. So when they began to build the railroad, first thing they had to do was well, obviously get the rights, and then they had to hire workers and grade the track or grade the area to lay the track. And um, there's a five-mile stretch. So it went from Port Sherman, which Port Sherman was right on the Muskegon Channel, down to the uh, the north side of, of the Mon Lake Channel or what we call the Lake Harbor Channel. Was there anything they did to shore up the area to make it more uh, conducive for a train? No, they just graded it and laid the, um, the ties and the track right on the sand. Did that cause issues later on? Well, the problem was, you know, with the activity of the waves action and um, erosion along the lake, after the first year, there was a considerable amount of damage to the track before they could even get it open for the summer season of 1893. And so there was a, tr a lot of cost going into clearing the tons of, literally tons of sand off the tracks, repairing the tracks that had been uh, moved by erosion and getting them ready to go. So, and every year after that, it only ran about four years. Uh, after that, the costs were just too great. And uh, there were some other economic factors involved in that in 1893, uh, the United States went through a severe depression and um, a lot of railroads already went bankrupt, and so it was very difficult to get the funds to keep the railroad in operation. And also, after the first year, the Methodist Center, which is where they were taking a lot of people to, fell on hard times, and uh, there just weren't the people there to support the railroad. Where was the station? The station at the, uh, at the north end was at Port Sherman, and the tracks ran along the lake, and then there was a station at the, at, like I said, at the north end of the channel. That was, so the train couldn't turn around. So they referred to it as a dummy line, which means it just didn't go anywhere. It just went from Port Sherman down to Lake Harbor. And then if it was running forward, then it had to go backwards all the way back up to Port Sherman. And um, I don't know exactly how they turned it around, 
But sometimes it went forwards and sometimes it went backwards. Do we know how many passengers used the line? I don't know exactly how many took it yearly, but that first year, it didn't open until August. Remember, they started this in June, and by August, the second or third of August, they had the railroad built, tracks laid, the, uh, the stations in place, and uh, began to ferry passengers, I believe, on August 2nd of 1892. So they literally built the railroad in about 30 days, and it's a five-mile stretch. So if you can imagine the regulations and the clearances that would be needed today to build that, it was really quite remarkable that they were able to do that literally in about 45 days. That's really impressive, especially when you think about where they were trying to build it. How long of a ride was it from Port Sherman to Lake Harbor? It was about 20 minutes. The train ran around uh, anywhere from uh, 15 to 30 miles an hour, and uh, it was about a 20-minute ride, and I believe it cost a quarter. Probably one of the best views for a train in Muskegon, though. Well, if you think about it, right along the lake, certainly they would have. But the advantage that the Chicago and West Michigan Railroad was looking was people coming up from Chicago or from the south could take the train all the way into the, what's referred to as the Third Street Station. I don't know exactly where that was, but there was a Third Street Station, and then they would take it out to Port Sherman, and then they would get on the dummy line and then take that ride down to Lake Harbor. How many trips did it make in a day? It made um, probably about 10 to 12 trips a day. And on a typical day, anywhere from 800 to 1,000 people would ride on the train. So it really only operated three to four months of the year? Well, the first year in 1892, it didn't start until August 2nd, and it ended shortly after September, so only about 30 days. The second year, it ran about 60 days. And in the subsequent year of 1894 and 1895, that was about the same, but uh, the passenger traffic was diminishing. It became more and more difficult to maintain the tracks. And so in 1896, it uh, pretty well was in the process of shutting down. And then they tore up the tracks, although they didn't get them all torn up because as erosion happened over the years, some of the tracks would appear uh, sticking out of the sand as late as 1970. So after the railroad is gone, how did visitors get to Lake Harbor? Well, by that time, roads were being developed. And so the main way was uh, take the boats from the east end of Mono Lake or from downtown Muskegon, they would connect to that angling road, which was uh, Roosevelt Road, and that would connect to uh, Lake Harbor Road. And then they would take it around Lake Harbor to the uh, to the channel, and then there was two bridges across the channel. One was a, a bridge for vehicles at the time, which would have been horse and buggy and wagons. And then there was a footbridge about halfway down from where the bridge is now to, um, to Lake Michigan. A really little neat piece of history. It didn't last long, but would have been quite the sight to see and to ride on. Well, it's really quite fascinating uh, from the development of, of Lake Harbor because um, there were numerous, literally probably a dozen resorts around Lake Harbor, or what we now know as Mono Lake. And um, they all had uh, a lot of guests. So people would come here, and it was a very rapidly developing area. Prior to that, there were four sawmills on Mono Lake. And one of them existed right at the mouth of the channel, where about where the uh, Maranatha swimming pool is now. Anything else you wanted to mention about the railroad? 
Well, as I said previously, it was quite remarkable that they were able to get this done. And I've got some timelines here in that work began on the railroad on the 8th of July, where they had 150 men working. And uh, on the 11th of July, they actually moved the Lake Michigan Park Pavilion closer to the water so it could be used for the dummy line. And then on the 12th of July, there was a strike because the men wanted uh, to go from $1.50 per day to $1.75 per day. So they, a lot of men were laid off and they hired more men to begin the process again. And uh, on July 14th, the engines were built and brought in. And on July 20th, they developed the station at, at Mona Lake, at Lake Harbor. And then that was put in place. And then on August 2nd, they actually were able to begin ferry passengers for the religious meetings at the Methodist uh, grounds, which were called the Hackley Assembly Grounds. And the charge for to get into the Methodist meetings were 25 cents per sinner. Are there any images of the tracks being built? I have not seen any images of the tracks being built. The only images I've seen are of the engine, which you have a picture there, and then I have a um, I have pictures of the at the station at Lake Harbor. After the railroad um, stopped functioning, they uh, rather than tearing down that station at Lake Harbor, they floated it out into Lake Michigan and towed it down to Grand Haven. And uh, I've been I spent some time at the Grand Haven Museum, but I've not been able to find where that station went. Do you know where the train was stored when it was off-season? No, I really don't know. But the train did connect all the way to Muskegon, so it's very likely that there were, you know, during the winter there may have been um, houses and storage facilities in the, actually in the city that, uh, that the train was stored at. But I'm not aware of where, where any of that would have been. Any other things you found interesting in your research? To try to connect this with some of the things that were going on with the gold, um, because one of those reports showed that, that Hackley moved gold up the beach from Grand Haven in the 1870s, but in the 1870s, there was a very large uh, sawmill built by Ferry, Noah Ferry, right on the beach at, at the Lake Harbor Channel. So there's no way that there was any chance that there was a railroad that cross Mona Lake Channel and then went up the lake. And they're claiming that that happened in the 1870s and this wasn't built until 1892. So there's there's quite a gap there that um, really doesn't lend any credence to the, the um, Hackley gold being moved up the lake. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining me today, Gary, and teaching us about the Lake Harbor area and the Lake Harbor Railroad. You're very welcome. And we will see everyone again in two weeks for our next episode. 